This morning we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to read from verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. And shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. When you think of people's names, in that passage I've just read to you, Joseph, who was presumed to be the father of Jesus, was told by the angel of the Lord that his name shall be called Jesus, that his name shall be called Emmanuel. When you think of people's names, often but certainly not always the case, there are reasons why a certain name is given to a baby and not just any old name. People generally give some thought to the name that they're going to give to their babies. Perhaps a decision has been made to give a male baby the same name as his father. That was the case with one of my brothers both his first name and his middle name were the same as my father's first and middle name. Sometimes a baby is named after a famous footballer or a movie star. As for my first name, Glenn, if I've got this right, the thought process that went into naming me Glenn was that my mother had a crush on the movie star the American movie star, Glenn Ford. And then I came along and my name is Glenn. If that is the case, then it wouldn't surprise me to learn that she called me, my middle name is Wayne, not because she fancied Wayne Rooney, I I was born long before Wayne Rooney was born, but perhaps because she also had a crush on another American movie star. Who would that be? John Wayne, I don't know about that one, but the Glenn Ford bit, 
I'm pretty sure that is right. I seem to recall her telling me that. When it came to my wife Pauline and I choosing names for our two daughters, we both wanted biblical names. But also I was keen to choose names that cannot be easily abbreviated into male names. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, the angel of the Lord said to Joseph, let's have a look at that again, verse 21. The angel of the Lord said, and she shall bring forth a son, obviously that's Mary, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. As such, through the heavenly messenger, God declared that the baby born of a virgin, or that we would, that would be born of a virgin, would be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So, that was God's reason why the, the child born of a virgin, the male child born of a virgin, shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That gives you a big idea about why Jesus came into the world. Looking at verse 21 again, she shall bring forth a son and thou, Joseph, shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So what was the relevance of the name Jesus? The name Jesus is a transliteration of the Hebrew name Joshua. That's where we get the name Jesus from, Joshua. A Hebrew name Joshua or Joshua. They don't pronounce their J's. Which means Jehovah is salvation. That's what Jesus means. Jehovah is salvation. Jehovah is the most sacred name for God. And we have it translated as Lord with capital letters in the Old Testament scriptures. But also the descriptive name Emmanuel, meaning God with us, was also to be given to the baby as can be seen again in verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. That's the fulfilment of Old Testament prophecy. We find it in the prophecy of Isaiah over 700 years before the Lord Jesus Christ was brought forth of a virgin. The two names that were to be given, Jesus and Emmanuel, point to the fact that the baby who was miraculously conceived and born of a virgin is very God. He is very God. As the hymn writer Charles Wesley said about Jesus, offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Hail the incarnate God. Pleased with us in flesh to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel, God 
with us. The fact that the Son of God became flesh, that in Mary's baby dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, in that little baby, all the fullness of the Godhead. That is a wonder of wonders, that is way beyond our understanding. I can tell you these things as I read it from the scriptures, but don't ask me to explain it. As the Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Even so, that mystery is a glorious truth which is to be embraced and it is to be celebrated that God was manifest in the flesh. Let's have another look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Ever since the very first sin entered the world, and that sin entered the world by one man, that one man's name Adam. was Adam. Yeah, Adam. Ever since that first sin entered the world, prophetic words have been spoken and those words have been recorded in the Old Testament scriptures about a saviour from sin. With the first of those prophecies being, di- being spoken directly by God when the Lord God said to the serpent who tempted Eve to sin in the Garden of Eden. This is what God said to the serpent. I will put enmity, that's hostility, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Charles Spurgeon said the following about those words. The seed of the woman, even our Lord Jesus, was bruised in his heel, and a terrible bruising it was. That, of course, is a reference to the cross. How terrible will be the final bruising of the serpent's head? This was virtually done when Jesus took away sin, vanquished death and broke the power of Satan. But it awaits a still fuller accomplishment at our Lord's second coming and in the day of judgment. At the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ, he destroyed by his own death. Jesus destroyed the one who had the power of death. That is the devil. But even so, there's still death in this world, isn't there? (coughs) There is still death. But one day death itself will be destroyed. And so Spurgeon, he also looks ahead to the Lord's second coming and the day of judgment when death itself will be destroyed. But even so, at the cross, the power of the devil over death was 
destroyed in so much there are people in here today, Christians, who can say with rejoicing in their heart and with thanksgiving to God that they not that they will have everlasting life when death is finally destroyed, but that they have everlasting life. I have everlasting life. Yeah, I'm going to die. If Jesus doesn't come first, I will die. Old age, I might get run over, knocked down by a bus. Who knows? I don't know. But I and the other Christians in here can say with certainty that we have, I have and they have, everlasting life in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a present reality. That's how wonderful the cross work of Jesus is. Vanquishing death and not forgetting three days later his resurrection from the dead. Jesus said, I am he that liveth. I was dead. But behold, I am alive forevermore. And those who belong to Jesus, are alive in him. But of course we see all these things in baptism. Being planted into the death of Jesus, being raised up to newness of life, everlasting life in Jesus. Anyway, coming back to verse 21 there. She shall bring forth a son, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And there are many other prophetic passages in the Old Testament scriptures concerning Jesus coming into the world to save sinners. One of, one that springs to mind for me, it always does, it, as, whenever I think of Old Testament prophecies concerning Jesus, this one is at the forefront of my thoughts, my mind. Isaiah chapter 53, verses 5 and 6. Again, it's a prophecy of Isaiah. So we're talking about over 700 years before Jesus came into the world. And it describes, that prophecy perfectly describes the sacrificial death of Jesus. Long before what Jesus did happened. Long before the virgin birth. Declaring that prophecy in the past tense, where I'm going to read it to you in a moment, but Isaiah, speaking all those years before Jesus, speaking about what Jesus would do when he came into the world, when he would eventually come into the world, even so, Isaiah spoke in the past tense. And that speaks volumes of the certainty of its fulfilment, the, the fulfilment of that prophecy. In those verses, Isaiah says, He was wounded for our transgressions. Our transgressions is our rebellion against God. He, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, our wickedness. The chastisement or the punishment of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed with his stripes 
Isaiah is even speaking now of the scourging and the channels filled with blood on Emmanuel's back. With his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord have laid on him the iniquity of us all. What an amazing prophecy that is. I, I, I've often told this story. It's a fantastic story of uh, an American Jew backpacking in Europe. And he was in Holland somewhere on his own, a bit lonely. And he was befriended by a Dutch man. And uh, he was invited round to a gathering. So the, the, the American Jew, being a bit lonely, wanting some company, he went to this chap's house. They were having a Bible study there. And one of them at the study read that prophecy. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord have laid on him the iniquity of us all. The person who read that didn't tell the American Jew that it was from the Old Testament Hebrew scriptures. He just read it. And then the question was asked, who do you think that is about? And so the American Jew, wrongly assuming that that was taken from the New Testament, he said, oh, I guess that's about your Jesus. And... They said to him, you're right, it is about Jesus. And it's in the Old Testament prophecies, in your Hebrew scriptures. Apparently, as the story goes, that man became a Christian at that gathering. It's funny how it happens, isn't it? There were circumstances that were crazy in my life that led to me becoming a Christian. And, well, people here today at this carol service, maybe you've come for... Various reasons. It's not for me to speculate why you're here this morning. Maybe someone in here who has not yet trusted in Jesus. But this might be the day. You're here. You're hearing about God being manifest in the flesh. You shall call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. And his name shall be Emmanuel, meaning God with us. You're here, hearing these things. Don't leave here and put it aside. You can't do that. So, Many hundreds of years after Isaiah said those words in the past tense about Jesus, the angel of the Lord announced to Joseph the imminent arrival of the long-awaited Saviour in fulfilment of all those Old Testament prophecies, starting with God, the Lord God, speaking to the serpent in the Garden of Eden and many others, including Isaiah, When 
when the angel of the Lord said what he said in verse 21 here, she shall bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save, save his people from their sins. That was to be the fulfilment of all those prophecies. Again, can you see the certainty there? The certainty in those words. We had the certainty in the prophecy of Isaiah. He spoke in the past tense, even though it was many hundreds of years before it was to happen. And now we have the angel of the Lord saying to Joseph, he shall save his people from their sins. There's certainty in those words. There's no room for doubt. Jesus came into the world to save his people from their sins. Day by day, year after year, Jesus continues to do precisely that. And the world will most certainly endure until such time Jesus has saved all his people from their sins. Every last one of them. And then God will bring this present world to an end. In other words, there won't be a, a premature ending to this world. This world will come, regardless of what's going on in this world, and the, mis, the, the weapons of mass, mass destruction and all the rest of it that we have now, this world will come to an end in God's time. And that time will be when Jesus has saved all of his people from their sins and not a moment before. I get a lot of comfort from that. I, I, I believe it to be true. It's the word of God. It gives me great comfort when I see what's going on in this world, awful world that we live in. And yet I know this world will endure until Jesus has saved all his people from their sins. Well, look, once again at verse 21, I keep reading verse 21. Hopefully you're going to have that verse written indelibly in your mind after, after this morning service and by the grace of God in your heart as well. Look at verse 21 again. And she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Have you noticed in those words that Jesus did not come into the world to save everyone? If he did, then everyone would no doubt be saved from their sins. But that clearly is not the case. Jesus came into the world to save his people from their sins. So, you'd have to ask, who are his people I'll leave Jesus to answer that one. In John chapter 6 verse 39 and 40. I'll give you a second to turn to it if you want to. I'm going to read it anyway. John 6 verse 39 to 40. Jesus said. This is the father's will which have sent me. That of all which he have given me. I should lose nothing but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. 
Therefore, his people refers to all that his father have given him. They having been chosen by God before the foundation of the world for salvation. They are not people who see themselves as having no need of a saviour. Far from it. And there are many people like that. They think they are good. They think they're wonderful. Ignore the fact that they, they're not. We all do things that we shouldn't do. I've lived long enough to be utterly ashamed of some of the things, many of the things that I've done in my life. By the grace of God, his people, they see the incarnate Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, as the promised Saviour. And they believe that Jesus came into the world to save them from their sins through his sacrificial death at the cross. Their God-given faith in their Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, is evidenced in their being baptised as repentant sinners, acknowledging their sins before God. They are people who not only live each new day by faith of their risen Saviour, the Son of God, who loved them and who gave himself for them. They also have a 100% certain hope That as his people, when they die, they will be with him, which is far better. I don't know if you got all that I was saying there. His people, not only do they believe that when Jesus was nailed to a cross and lifted up to die, that terrible death on the cross, where he by his own death destroyed the power of the devil over death. Not only do they believe that that was for them, or that, that, let's get very personal, I believe that that was for me. That Jesus laid down his life for me. And so do all of you in here who are his people. But also, with his resurrection from the dead, we don't have a dead saviour, do we? And we believe that as his people, we will be with him one day, regardless of what happens in this world. Most of this world throws its lot in. Most of the people of this world throw their lot in with this world. And every it, this world and the things of this world are so, so important to them. And I can understand that because they've got nothing else to hang on to whether it's jobs, cars, houses, money in the bank, whatever it is, family, friends, you name it. His people can and do legitimately look above and beyond this world to being with Jesus. The Apostle Paul said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. How about that? To die is gain. Paul, the apostle, was someone who had a desire to be, to, to be absent from the body and to be with Christ, which is far better. And that is the hope of all of his people. 
let me tell you what Jesus prayed to his father. You'll know this is coming, you who are regular here, because I, I barely miss a week uh, without saying this. There's barely a week goes by without me quoting this verse. John chapter 17 and verse 24. The whole of John chapter 17 is a high priestly prayer of Jesus. And he prayed this prayer very shortly before his sacrificial death at the cross. I can see some people turning to it. John 17 verse 24. Wonderful words to hang on to if you're a Christian. If you are his people. If you're there, John 17 verse 24. Father, I will. Jesus declaring his will to his father. I will that they also, whom thou hast given me. There you go, there's his people again. The ones whom his father has given him. I will whom, I will also whom thou hast given me. Be with me where I am. That they may also, that they may behold my glory. Which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. In that high priestly prayer of Jesus, he was declaring his will to his father that all whom his father had given him would be with him where? In glory, heavenly glory, to behold his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father. And what a sight to behold that is, eh? Can you imagine it now? Beholding the glory the beauty, the majesty of Jesus in heaven. As we come to a close, we're going to come to a close now. Don't you dare let this Christmas season pass by without you giving serious consideration to whether you are one of his people. That's really what matters. Never mind anything else. It's something that you can, you can know and you can answer. Considering whether you are one of, one of his people is not such a big consideration. It's actually quite easy. It's very profound, but it's not difficult. You can know the answer to it. Show repentance towards God. Do you show repentance towards God for your life of sin, your life of rebellion against God? God who says, love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Do you do that? I most certainly don't. And also God says, love your neighbour as yourself. Again, I would have to ask you, do you really do that? None of us do. None of us do. And churches don't seem to realise this. So-called churches. I was looking at one of those so-called churches on this island, looking at their, uh, not their Facebook page, their, their, their um, web page. One of the churches on this island where they make this bold claim that they worship God, that they love God. Sorry, they love God with their whole being in their worship. They don't. They don't. 
That is a blatant lie. They're deluded. No one does. And that's why Jesus came into the world. Precisely because of that. Again, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Poor, wretched sinners. So, show repentance towards God and believe that Jesus has, by his sacrificial death on the cross and with his resurrection, his triumphal resurrection, saved you from your sins. See what I mean? And you can know that you are his people. And there's nothing greater than that. And there's nothing more important than that. Amen. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.